Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, the anarchist world this week. It's cold, it's miserable, it's raining. But in your part of the world, the sun is shining because I'm talking to you. (laughs) You like that? (laughs) Megalomania. (laughs) You've got to start after the budget, after listening to the budget last night and now providing the Anarchist Institute response. You know, you've got to start off with a bit of humour. <laughs> there is not. You've got to start off with humour. Look, uh, before we start off on our budget response, well, everybody else has got a budget response. Why shouldn't the Anarchist Institute have a budget response? My name's Joseph Toscano, and if you're wondering what anarchy is all about, Anarchist Society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of... Political and social structures based on equal decision-making power that's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good conservative concepts. You know, using the Commonwealth for the common good. The people involved in the decision, making that decision. Extraordinarily dull stuff. So if you want some drug, sex and rock and roll, tune out. If you want some interesting analysis keep listening now first of all if you are in the city of melbourne that's right the city of melbourne on friday the 15th of may from 5 30 to 8 30 p.m at the victorian trades hall at 54 victoria street carlton the melbourne trade hall that's right will be signing a Memorandum of Understanding with the West Papuan Independence Movement. That's right. This is a very important time for the West Papuans uh, in Australia and in West Papua, obviously, a very important time because they are forming a an alliance with the trade union movement and... Uh, They're inviting everybody to the Trades Hall Bella Union Bar. Now, at 5.30pm, they will be assembling around the eight-hour monument for a signing ceremony, which is just across the road from Victoria Trades Hall. Uh, I'll be singing the West Papua Anthem, 
and uh, the caretaker of uh, Melbourne Trades Hall, Jacob Grek, will illuminate the morning star flag flying from the top of Trades Hall. This is a very important alliance because, as you know, both the Liberal National Coalition and the Labor opposition refuse to acknowledge the West Papuan independence movements. Uh, Obviously, they're concerned about uh, the Indonesian reaction to their acknowledgement of that particular movement. So it's an extremely important memorandum of understanding. And uh, this is on the heels that on the 25th of May, the Melanesian Spearhead Group, which includes countries like the Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, and the list goes on and on, Bougainville, if they uh, vote for independence the next week or so, the Melanesian, uh, the West Papuan independence movement has actually applied to join the Melanesian Spearhead Group and uh, there's a little bit of uh, to-ing and throwing, especially from the Papua New Guinea and Fijian uh, delegates. But if they are incorporated into the Melanesian Spearhead Group, that gives them the platform they need, the United Nations platform they need, in order to keep pushing the case for West Papuan independence, both on a national and international stage. So there's a very important uh, uh, deal between the Federal Republic of West Papua and uh, Australian trade unions. The sign-in ceremony, as I said before, will be at uh, 5.30pm to 8.30pm, Friday the 15th of May, Victorian Trades Hall, 54 Victoria Street, Carlton, Melbourne. And if you want further information, I suggest you uh, just go to the West Papuan uh, office a website. Just Google West Papuan Independent Department of uh, Federal Re- Federal Republic dot org. Federal Republic dot org. D F A I T dot Federal Republic of West Papua dot org. So it's D F A I T dot Federal Republic of West Papua dot org. Don't forget. Wednesday the 3rd of June is Marbo Day. Now's the time to start organising events in your part of the world. I mean, uh, Marbo Day is an important uh, event in our calendar and uh, we'll be talking more about that in the next uh, week or so. So keep those uh, dates in mind. And uh, those of you, uh, so those of you who are interested in the English, or I should say the United Kingdom. It is an United Kingdom, isn't it? Who knows for how long. Elections and the re-election of the Cameron government. And uh, kept your eye on that particular election. It was interesting how the Murdoch media pulled out all stops to ensure their Conservative friends were re-elected. And obviously this is a a template for what will be happening in Australia whether the election occurs in November or uh, late next year, depending on what the opinion polls say about the uh, current budget, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, So those of you who are concerned about the fact that the Murdoch media, including Foxtel and uh, News Corporation, don't actually pay tax and actually get uh, tax refunds of hundreds of millions of dollars while making billions of dollars of profit, but are also concerned about the pivotal political role the Murdoch media uh, plays in uh, choosing who shall be the next government, well, then you should actually get on board the Murdoch's minion bandwagon and uh, resist Murdoch's minions bandwagon. Now, on the first Friday of every month in the city of Melbourne, 
We uh, congregate outside the Herald and Weekly Times at 40 City Road uh, in Melbourne, 40 City Road uh, South Bank in Melbourne. And uh, this time, last time, we actually uh, met at Federation Square and then marched to the Herald and Weekly Times building and uh, have made a decision that from now on, and the next one will be on Friday the 5th of June, we'll be meeting at Federation Square at 11.30am and uh, then marching to the Herald and Weekly Times building at about quarter to 12. Now, it's very important that Australians follow our example across the country. There are there are Murdoch offices around the country. This is not just a matter of a corporation that uh, doesn't pay tax and uh, froths at the mouth every time, you know, uh, somebody's involved in some type of political activity. This is a corporation which uh, determines governments. And I think it's important that uh, people show their uh, displeasure at the pivotal role this organisation plays in our society. So... Uh, we encourage you to organise events outside Murdoch uh, media premises around the country, whether it's a small country town, a large regional town or a capital city. Now's the time to organise because if you don't organise now, you're going to see what happened in England. You're going to see the re-election of our Abbott-led government courtesy of the uh, Murdoch media, which will pull all stops in order to ensure the re-election of their neoconservative mates. All right, I know you're all excited. Let's move on to the budget response. Now, budgets are basically housekeeping, you know. We all budget, or we try to budget. Some of us are more successful than others. I mean, you've got income and you've got outgoings. It's very simple. You've got income, you've got outgoings. You've got revenue, you've got outgoings. And as Mr Dickens used to say... Charles Dickens, you know, if you are, if you spend one cent more than you make, you got a problem. So, this is an interesting budget. And it's an interesting budget for a number of reasons. Because what we've seen, to a significant degree, is a hundred and eighty degree turn in this government's. Agenda. Public turn. Not a private turn, but a public turn. This is a budget. I call this the the budget before the shit hits the fan budget. This is what it's about. Because everybody knows, every single commentator, everybody of one synapsing neuron knows that this country... And that means the people in this country, especially those 80% of people on Social Security benefits and who are wage earners and, to a significant degree, small business, and we'll talk about them in a minute, face a bleak future. And they face a bleak future in the next two years for a very important reason. We'll see over 250,000 people thrown onto the unemployment heap as manufacturing continues to close down, as the car manufacturing industry closes down and as other manufacturers find it impossible to continue to make a profit in this country. And as far as the iron ore lead, the mining recovery is concerned, 
that's on a downward spiral, and that downward spiral will continue. And it's quite likely that Australian iron ore prices will drop to $25 from the current $50, you know, within the next 12 months. And that will occur for two important reasons. One, as China changes from a export-driven economy to a service-driven economy, there'll be less need to import iron ore and coal. But more importantly, as the rest of the world moves towards renewable energy sources, whether it's water, wind or solar, there will be less demand for Australia's primary mining exports, coal, gas and iron ore. So that means less revenue, less money coming in. So what this government is trying to do, and the key word is trying, it will will or won't succeed, uh, depending on you, that's right, listeners to this program and other Australians who uh, have that one synapsing neuron in their head, chugging away, chugging away, understanding what's going on. Let's go back to the last federal election, September 2013, I think it was. That's right, September 2013. 13th of September it could have been, or the 12th or the 9th, I can't remember exactly. When Mr Abbott... The man who said, and let's not forget this because we tend to forget these things, the man who said he would give up his last breath to ensure that some of the richest mining corporations or the richest corporations on this planet did not pay one extra cent in tax. When he was elected Prime Minister and he spoke to the people of Australia, his opening words were, this country We're open for business. He didn't say, thank you for electing me and my party's government. He didn't say, I will attempt to rule for all Australians. What he said was, this government is open for business. And in their first budget in May 1914, they acted as if They had a majority in both houses of parliament and they attempted to impose a draconian budget which put the emphasis on savings on those who are least able to afford it. We all know, I'm not going to go through the litany of budget horrors in 2014. And it was only through the actions of listeners to this, like listeners to this program and the actions of other Australians who saw how unfair that budget was, putting the burden of attempting to achieve a surplus on wage earners and those 40% of Australians on Social Security benefits, that this government began to realise that it was in unelectable if it attempted to introduce its neoliberal agenda, its corporatisation, privatisation, deregulation, privatisation agenda. And then for the next year, it attempted to get its policies 
through by regulation, by actually bypassing Parliament. So this is a government which lied from the very moment it was elected, which broke most of its major promises within four weeks of being elected. So now we have a situation where you and I and every other Australian have been asked to trust them, to trust them that they will keep their word, to trust them that they have changed their ideological agenda. So hence the 2015 budget. An extraordinary piece of work, which I understand has been receiving a lot of praise. A lot of praise. So let's look at it. Let's look at this marvellous budget. Well, if you live in Victoria, you'd think that... uh, Victoria didn't exist. Obviously, this is a New South Wales-centric budget, which apart from uh, some special infrastructure spending for northern Queensland, really has not put the interests of Australians first. Let's look at the diamond in the 2015 hockey budget crown their small business package. And then let's look at the reason they've introduced this small business package. Now, Treasurer Mr Joe Hockey's small business budget package isn't the economic godsend the government and many commentators believe it is or make it out to be. We're told, oh, for the first time in living history, somebody is listening to small business. Cutting taxes by 1.5% for companies earning less than $2 million and actually cutting taxes by 5% for unincorporated traders and businesses, and allowing small businesses and sole traders to access a $20,000 tax deduction for business-related asset purchases won't make much difference for the small business sector and sole traders, let alone the rest of Australia. This is a classic dead cat bounce. You drop the dead cat from the first floor, you watch it fall on the ground, it bounces, and then it stops bouncing. Very simple. Now, before we actually look at why, I think it's important to remember that the two main reasons why small businesses and sole traders, and we're talking over over a million small businesses employing over 5 million people, can't flourish in this country are directly related to the market share a small number of corporations exercise over most aspects of the Australian economy and taxation laws 
that allow these same corporations to legally pay voluntary taxation. So what does this mean in plain English? Look around you. Look around you. Have a look at how multinational corporations, both, both based in Australia and overseas, now dominate the small business sector. Have a look at the service station industry. How many small businesses still exist in the service station industry? Have a look at the pet industry. How many small pet shops are struggling to survive as corporations take over the pet industry? Corporations like Pet Barn. Have a look at the hardware industry. How many small hardware shops continue to exist in this country as we see the bananisation and the masterization of the hardware business? Look at the corner shop and look at the way that 7-Eleven now monopolises the corner shop industry. Look at the clothing industry and look at how major corporate brands are gaining traction in this country. Look at the fast food industry and have a look at how the Domino's and Gloria Jeans and McDonald's of the world are getting a bigger and bigger market share. And the list goes on and on. Look at the healthcare industry, primary healthcare, privately owned general practices. Almost 50% of general practices are now owned by five corporations. So what we've seen over the last 20 years is the corporatisation of business activities which traditionally have been the sole preserve of small businesses. So one of the main reasons small businesses don't flourish or open and close with religious regularity, open and close, is because it is very difficult for a small business to compete with a large corporation, especially when large corporations are willing to make a loss in one area to close down a small business in that area and then dominate that marketplace. Look at the food industry, selling packaged food, Woolworths and Coles, over 85% of the market. And when you add IGA and the other two or three called Aldi, you're looking at about 95% of the market is now dominated by four players. And the list goes on and on. So what we should be looking at, if this government was really interested in the future of small business and and, and sole traders, it wouldn't give a handout now, which will be finished in a few months' time, to give it a little bit of a bit of electoral advantage in the next two to three months so it can make up its mind whether it will call an election or not. But what it would be doing it would be introducing antitrust laws to ensure that no 
two or three corporations dominate economic activity in a particular sector of Australian society. In the United States, the home of capitalism, there are antitrust laws which prevent corporations only more than 25% of economic activity in a particular sector. In Europe, across Europe, legislation has been passed which protects small business from the unconscionable conduct of large corporations, which regulate corporations heavily to ensure that small businesses continue to survive. This is not about a a quick sugar fix. This is about... This is about ensuring that this sector continues to survive. Now, most small businesses and sole traders pay their income tax, unless they're involved in the black economy and uh, solely use cash, which is almost impossible in today's marketplace. So most small businesses are paying that are incorporated are paying twenty eight paying thirty percent company tax. And reducing company tax from thirty percent to twenty eight point five percent really does not make much difference. We're talking about businesses with which have profits of uh, less than two million dollars. I mean ten percent of two million dollars is two hundred thousand dollars. would be about a $30,000 saving. If that. That's if you make a $2 million profit. That's at the top end. If you're making a $100,000 profit, which most small businesses make and sole traders, you're making a $100,000 profit, that's, what's that? That's $1,500. And the second important issue if you're a a small business is the fact that it's not just about unfair competition and the unconscionable behaviour of large corporations. It's about being able to work on a level playing field. When you have large transnational corporations which pay voluntary taxation, and most of these corporations are paying less than 5% taxation legally on their profits, it's impossible to compete. Not only do they have an excessive market share, but they also pay voluntary taxation. How can a business which pays 28.5% taxation on profits compete with a large corporation which is paying less than 5% tax on their profits? I mean, if the coalition government was really interested in helping the small business sector, they would be passing legislation to introduce a turnover tax. That's right, a turnover tax. Let's say any company that has a turnover or sole trade has a turnover of more than a million dollars, which would exclude 95% of small businesses and sole traders. Bingo, turnover tax. You cannot... Avoid a turnover tax, a little bit like a goods and services tax. I mean, this is what we've got to look at is different ways 
of taxing these people so that they pay their fair share of tax. So two things, if they were really interested in small business, they would be doing is they'd be passing antitrust legislation to break the power of corporations that dominate particular spheres of economic activity in our society and they would be passing legislation to ensure large corporations pay 28.5% company tax. And if they can't do it through legislation because of the international nature of transnational corporations, do it through a turnover tax. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. Uh, I'm conducting a budget analysis. Now, before we uh, continue this little discourse, just like to remind you that if you are interested in actually having some impact on what's happening in the world today, instead of just sitting back and tut tutting and saying somebody should do something about that, or, you know, um, I'm going to do something about that at some particular point. Think about joining public interest before corporate interest. Public interest before corporate interest is a new political social organisation which is been, has been launched a few weeks ago in order to conduct public campaigns, both electorally and in the community and in the workplace to highlight the importance of putting public interests before corporate interests. We need new members. We'd like to register as a political party in the next three or four months. We need at least 550 members. If you're on the electoral roll, you're welcome. If you're not on the electoral roll, you're welcome. If you want to get a uh, application form, there's a number of ways you can do it. You can leave a message with contact details on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. If you're not comp- you don't use computers, and I don't blame you, you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Or if you're computer literate, you can always download an application form from pibci.net. PIBC, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, pibci.net. Just put it in your search engine, pibci.net. Hey presto, download a form, send the information that's up on the website to your friends, send it to your enemies. And if you want to email us, you can email us at info at pibci.net and I'll mention that later on. And if you're interested in anarchist ideas, look at the website, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. You can see uh, all the things we've got uh, planned for the uh, rest of the years and all the things that have been happening over the previous uh, four to five months. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. So if you if you are, you know, um, at a loss, bored, listless, have a look at the website, have a look at what we're involved in. All right, let's get back to the budget. I know your eyes are clouding over, but it's very important to actually be able 
to puncture a hole in this balloon, because this is a balloon which has been sent upwards by the coalition government, which knows, as I said before, that next year is going to be a very, 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 very difficult year politically as unemployment increases, as more and more people find their jobs disappearing. There are two issues in current Australian society which uh, affect everybody. Housing, job security. Two issues. Housing affects every man, woman and child in the country. Job security, in its own way, affects a significant number of people. A significant number of people. And what we are seeing is a housing crisis and job insecurity, especially in the manufacturing sector, which employs over a million people in this country, and in service industries, which are beginning to feel the pressure of less spending. And why is there less spending among Australians? It's very simple. One, although official interest rates set by the reserve banks, are at 2% historically low. We haven't seen them since the Second World War. Most Australians' debts are based on mortgages, credit cards and personal loans. Now, these massive banking profits we've seen over the past few decades since the Commonwealth Bank was privatised in the mid-1980s, have been built on the back of the margins which a cartel of major banks are actually able to extract from their uh, customers. Although reserve bank interest rates are at 2%, it's difficult to get a home loan less than 5%. If you're involved in business and you lend for business purposes, interest rates range anywhere between 6 to 12%. And if you're in the unfortunate position which millions of Australians find themselves in of having credit card debt in order to survive, the major banks are still charging anywhere between 15 to 21.5% interest on money which they borrow at around 3%. So they're making extraordinary profits from the billions of dollars which are owed on credit cards. So we've got a problem. Over the last decade, because of the Liberal National Party's anti-union policies to a significant degree, I should say over the last two decades, what we've seen is a slowing in wage growth. Not only jobs insecurity, but a slowing in wages growth. So that what, what that means in plain English is that the amount of take-home pay, whether you're a sole trader an incorporated small business, a wage earner, whether in part-time work or full-time work, has, one, not kept pace with inflation, but more importantly, 
it has not kept pace with increasing housing costs. And in an era when there is no increase in public housing and increases in homelessness, we are finding that more and more and more disposable income, families' disposable income, especially people on earning less than, say, $1,500 a week, which is the majority of Australians, most of their income, 30 40 50%, goes towards servicing a mortgage or paying the rent. So that leaves less money to buy things. And that's the nub of the small business package. And that's the nub of the parental leave scheme and the childcare scheme which has been introduced in this budget. It's all about forcing people back into the workforce. Because although there are historically low interest rates, people are not willing to borrow from the banks to expand their businesses. Not willing because of the high interest rates. Yes, high interest rates when the Reserve Bank charges 2%. So the government knows it's got a dilemma. But as this government is not interested in taxing their corporate mates or introducing new taxes like a turnover tax on major corporations or actually ensuring that corporations pay their fair share of tax or introducing things like a stock market turnover tax to make sure that people who don't pay tax pay tax by introduction of new taxes. This government's no new taxes mantra means that its revenue base is constrained. And because wages are not increasing, the taxation base has decreased. And because profitable businesses have been privatised by successive federal governments and state governments across the country, we no longer have publicly owned assets which generate an income. And the two main pieces of legislation that the coalition government, the Abbott-led government, has pushed through Parliament, the repealing of the mining tax and the repealing of the carbon tax, meant that less revenue was coming in. So in an attempt to stimulate the economy, the government has done two things. One, it has introduced this small business package, decreased taxation by 1.5% for incorporated companies earning less than $2 million and uh, 5% for sole traders or unincorporated companies. And it has given small businesses the ability to spend up to $20,000 on assets for their business, hoping that this money, which has been pumped into the economy, will give them that economic bump which they need in order to call an election in November. This is what it's all about. This is the little balloon that's been floated up. And if opinion polls improve over the next two to three months, bingo, 
I can assure you there will be an election in November because they know that next year it's going to be exceptionally hard for them to be re-elected. So this budget is all about re-electing the coalition government. And secondly, when we look at their childcare policies, it's all aimed at pushing people, pushing parents back into the economy. I mean, I remember when it was seen as a important job to rear children and one parent could stay home for the first three to four or five years or whatever to actually give their children the foundation they need to become good human beings and good citizens. But now, anybody who decides to take time off is considered to be some type of criminal. We saw this with the single parents benefit, where when your child reaches eight, you now have to look for a job. And it's the same with now that if you're not in the workforce, if you're not, if you're not a wage slave, if you're not in part-time or full-time work, you don't get any of these benefits. You're left to rot. And the dilemma is, as we said before, the dilemma is that if you are part of a couple and you both don't work, if you both work, it's exceptionally difficult to meet those high housing costs. I mean, this is the situation we currently find ourselves in because we have believed the neoliberal mantra that if you allow the private sector to dominate the economy, the benefits will trickle down to everybody. That if we privatise assets, prices will fall. I'll give you an example, a recent example, which may not apply to many of our listeners, but it's a good, good example. Medibank Private was formed by the federal government in 1982. 1982. 1982. It was privatised late last year. Now, Medibank Private made a profit every year which went into government coffers. Now, although the government received $5 billion for Medibank Private, what happened to the future of its members? Within a few months of privatisation, fees for Medibank Private increased by over 10%, in some cases 12 13%, which was double the average of other private health insurance companies, and the benefits which were paid to members was, was stripped. Now, this happens in all aspects of the economy when you privatise government-owned assets. You, it may help the budget bottom line for one year, but it stops you benefiting from that. It's a little bit like having three chooks. You can have three chooks for three or four years and get two or two, one, two, three eggs a day for the next three to four years. You can kill the chooks and eat them that night 
and do without eggs for the next three to four years. Same concept when you privatise public assets. But more importantly, as I've said before, when you privatise public assets in a mixed economy, you remove the breaks on competition that occurs. There is no competition. You get three or four large corporations dominating the marketplace and setting prices, you know, looking at what somebody else sets and setting the same price and maximising their profits at their customers' or shareholders' expenses. That's the way it is. The only people that matter in a capitalist economy are the major shareholders of corporations. And everything that is done by these corporations is not done for the public interest. It's not done for social reasons. It's not done for national interest. It's done to maximise profits for unaccountable major shareholders whose major responsibility is to... I mean, their major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. So we are now paying the price in this budget of believing three decades of neoliberal rhetoric. And this budget highlights the bankruptcy and the inability of neoliberalism to solve any human problem, let alone the problems we face as a community today. Nothing. And it affects everybody. Don't tell me I'm on a social security benefit. I don't have to worry. Look at the budget. $1.6 billion will be scraped off social security payments in the next four years. Look at the budget. Look at how the screw has been turned on people trying to get a disability support pension. Look at the budget and see how the screw has been turned on more and more people. Look at the healthcare budget. Where's the where's the debate about healthcare? Look at the cuts that have been made as far as healthcare is concerned. Legal aid and every other important aspect. And it's been made because this government is not willing to look at the revenue side. It is not willing to tax its corporate mates. It's the kingmakers. It's a puppet government. A puppet government whose strings are being pulled by the boardrooms of unaccountable corporations who set the political, social and cultural agenda in this country on a daily basis. On a daily basis. As I said before, if you are interested in breaking that nexus, if you want to be involved in a political and social, cultural organisation, that whose primary aim is to put public interests before corporate interests, I encourage you to join as soon as possible. Look at it. Look at the website, pibci.net, pibci, pibci.net. Give us a call. Leave a message, 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. Write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. So, defence up, and the list goes on and on.
So this is, as I said before, it's a budget that's come out before the shit hits the fan. It's a bit dead cat bounce budget. We will see a temporary spike in economic activity as small businesses go out, those one million small businesses go out and in buy some assets, a temporary spike. We'll see the Liberal National Party boys and girls looking at the opinion polls, doing their own internal polling, looking at the success of Mr Cameron and the Conservatives in in uh, the United Kingdom. Who knows for how long. And uh, using the Murdoch media to push their neoliberal agenda. Do you really think, do you really think if the Abbott-led government had a majority in both Houses of Parliament that the under-30s wouldn't be waiting six months for unemployment benefits? Do you really think that if the Coalition had a majority in both Houses of Parliament that you wouldn't be paying a Medicare co-payment today? Do you really think that if the Coalition had a majority in both Houses of Parliament that trade unions would have been legislated almost out of existence? If you think that, well, I feel sorry for you. Because what this budget is about, it's about creating a temporary economic climate, an economic dead cat bounce, which will make people forget about the high cost of housing, about the high cost of childcare, about high increase rapidly escalating healthcare costs, for individuals as more and more practices stop bulk billing. And the list goes on and on. This is all that this budget is about. So what can you do? What can you do? Look, I can talk. I can talk till the cows come home. I can talk till, you know, the sacred cow falls on my head and squashes me. But I'm just one person. One person. You're one person. But you know two or three people and they know two or three people and they know two or three people. You may have access to a website. You may have access to a telephone. You may be on a Twitter stream. I think it's important that we puncture this balloon. It's one on its way up. It needs to be punctured in the public imagination. If it's not punctured in the public imagination in the next few weeks, the grounds will be laid for a November election which the Murdoch media will pull out all stops as it did in in the United Kingdom to ensure that the neoliberal forces which currently rule us continue to rule us for another three years and possibly reintroduce that agenda which was squashed in 2014 because they didn't have a majority in both houses of parliament. So it's important that you talk to people about the nature of this budget. 
you explain to people what it's all about. It has got nothing to do with restructuring the economy. It has nothing to do with looking after the interests of the 33% of people on small wages. It has nothing to do with looking after the future, not the short-term two- to three-month future, but the long-term future of small business in this country, which has been strangled by the unconscionable behaviour of multinational corporations and the fact that they, these multinational corporations pay voluntary taxation. Look at the childcare arrangements, parental leave arrangements. Look at the other aspects of the budget. See how they've been structured to give the people a, sh- a sugar fix. And the great thing about a sugar fix is it lasts for a few hours, but then you need another one. But because there's no revenue coming in, there's no sugar second sugar fix. So thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. That's right. It's there for the next few weeks. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the website anarchistmedia.org. Anarchistmedia.org. Please use any of the material you see on the website. Pretend it's yours. Send it to your friends. Please use any of the material on the podcast. Send the podcast around the world. I think it's important that people actually understand what this budget is all about. They're open for business. We're open for resistance. If you're interested in resistance, you can't donate money, you can't be be active in many of the things that uh, we organise over the year, you've got health issues, don't worry. You can always join PIBSIC, Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. Write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Call us on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Email us at info at pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Go to the website, computer literate, use it. Download an application for pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Join Pipsy today and become part of of a political and social movement that will bring this country to its knees. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. And remember, it's up to you to puncture the budget balloon. You don't get involved, nothing changes. Listen in next week to the Anarchist World this week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.